0: Try to imagine a world without electricity. One where you cannot preserve food in your fridge or charge a phone that allows you to connect with family and friends. A world with no internet and no proper light after the sun sets. For many of us, these things are
1: given. but not everybody knows is that there's still a large share of the global population uh, around 700 million people on this planet that don't have any electricity access uh, at all and um, where three billion people across the planet are still cooking on yeah solid biomass uh, fuels uh, wood charcoal uh, coal these people suffer. Um, the days end at seven o'clock when the sun goes down. It starts at seven when the sun goes up, and that's a scandal. That in uh, uh, in 2021, what is it? 125 years or something like that? 150 years after electricity has been invented uh, and electric light has been invented, that this is still the uh, the case. And the way it looks uh, right now, that problem will still exist in uh, in 20, uh, 2030.
0: A huge part of sustainable development is ensuring access to affordable, reliable and sustainable energy and leaving no one behind in the process. We are now in the decade of action and here we'll talk with companies and experts from all over the world about how they're taking actions on the SDGs. To learn from each other about the challenges opportunities and solutions on the road towards 2030 from the dri this is the rising tide episode on std7 affordable and clean energy as we just heard from kuhn patters the executive director at Gokla, a global association for the off-grid solar energy industry we are not on track to meeting the goals of clean, reliable and sustainable energy for all by 2030. Up until now, innovation has been key in shaping the industry.
1: Yeah, the the first decade of this uh, this century that uh, white LED light was uh, invented and that made a big change for our industry but because that meant that you could pack um, a a decent quality of of lighting uh, with a much smaller battery with a much smaller solar panel. What happened then is that uh, some smart entrepreneurs were connecting um, this kind of technology with, uh, with mobile connectivity technology. And that gave a second wave, a second push of innovation to our, uh, our industry. We call that the pay-as-you-go uh, technology. And what we see now, the uh, the next wave of, uh, of innovation is trying to use those assets of solar home systems. And people are also trying to, companies are also trying to use those assets to provide other services to households.
0: Some of the larger companies were real pioneers, having laid the foundation for significant impact in the energy industry.
1: Some of the larger companies are those that were the early pioneers in our industry, D-Light, Greenlight Planet. Um, They are what we call vertically integrated companies uh, that that have designed and have product manufactured in uh, in china also providing that pay-as-you-go uh, technology or doing cash sales uh, having their own sales agent but also maintaining networks of distributors that uh, that work for them and they operate in tens of countries there, then there's many companies that are trying to do similar things uh, what we see is companies are trying less hard right now to be fully integrated, vertically integrated companies. So they either they focus on being a manufacturer of new products that uh, they're trying to seek uh, new customer groups. And then what we also see is, uh, is new companies, um, African-owned distributors that are buying products off the off the shelf from those manufacturers uh, and from importers, and trying to find new customer groups, trying to set up new pay-as-you-go uh, business models in African uh, countries. We see some companies that are trying to service these markets. There are. There's about a half a dozen companies that are providing the software solutions for pay-as-you-go uh, uh, companies and, uh, and platforms. Uh, there are companies that are focusing on uh, investment uh, solutions. There are consultants that are specifically focusing on addressing the financing needs and uh, and servicing needs of those, uh, those companies. So it's becoming a bit of an ecosystem.
0: But not every solution is a success. And not every company reaches significant impact with its products. An example is when Kuhn helped establish African companies around grid solar electrification and biofuel, with the idea to sell solar panels combined with compact fluorescent light. But
1: that technology didn't work very well. It was expensive. It gave people just a few hours of light. People also wanted to power uh, their black and white televisions uh, with it that they, they ran for an hour or two and then they ended abruptly halfway during the football match people weren't really happy about it The other was a Yatrofa biofuel uh, uh, company, and Yatrofa looked very promising uh, at the beginning of this uh, century as a new biofuel, um, but it was a hype, it was also the financial crisis, uh, so the investment that we saw coming didn't materialize. The company was struggling to, to raise finance and uh, to scale up, um, but I think in the end it was only lucky that it didn't raise more finance because it would have meant more investors burning their fingers, the, uh, the crop didn't catch on. And at the moment there's not much bio for biofuel projects uh, existing anymore.
0: But failure as such is not something unusual for industries. And it's not necessarily a strategy either. Fail fast and fail often is probably Silicon Valley's most striking mantra in the pursuit of life-changing innovations. And Silicon Valley has previously expressed interest in the off-grid solar energy too, with expectations of unicorns and fast
1: growth. In the early years of uh, of this, there were uh, there was definitely enthusiasm from Silicon Valley, where they saw similarities in the trajectories of companies, and they were expecting that there were um, unicorns, like the, the companies valued at a billion dollar possible in our our industry, and fast growth like we saw in Silicon Valley. I think the the years after that were giving us a little bit of a, a sanity check on uh, on that front. We are still a hardware industry. You can't get electricity access to households without getting hardware to them. And when you have hardware, then you also need to service that. And there's a, a supply chain that needs to go back to, uh, um, to, to make it circular and make sure that we deal with the e-waste at the end of the of the line. So it's not like a, a software company where you can almost zero costs multiply your number of, uh, of customers. Those kind of breakthroughs you should not expect in our industry.
0: So that's the nature of the industry taking into the account that there's a cost to scalability and that the customers often live in volatile markets. So the price point needs to be kept as low as possible. This makes it very hard to develop a profitable business model.
1: What we see right now, some 10 years in, is that we also need to uh, accept as an industry that the profitability story that we had foreseen for our industry a few years ago is not really materializing as much as we, are, uh, we were hoping. Selling a uh, Energy access products to poor people in uh, often remote areas is, uh, of course, is very hard. We need to do that at, at price points as low as, as possible. But what we've seen throughout those eight years or so that I've been working with Gogla is the the, the vast challenges that are being thrown at this industry. Uh, COVID is, of course, a massive incident that's, that's hurting economies and industries everywhere. But also without COVID, we had droughts, we had locust plagues, we had demonetization, we had currency slides. We had civil war. Uh, there's always massive incidents that are making life hard for our companies. And what we see is that under those circumstances, our industry has been resilient and has been um, realizing a, an impressive growth, but is also at the moment becoming a bit stagnant in uh, in reaching a next level of, of growth. We're not really meeting the expectations of of private and commercial investors. They find it a risky business. Some of that because they don't quite understand our industry, but some of that also because the the risks are, are real. It's difficult to, uh, to sell in these, uh, these markets.
0: So the industry is resilient and has experienced impressive growth despite the obvious challenges. But what is then needed to break the stagnant phase and take the development and the access to off-grid solutions to the next level?
1: So where we are right now is that we um, are changing somewhat the, um, uh, the message to, uh, to governments and saying, we are not a private sector that will grow and deliver to all your customers on a commercial proposition that's not what we can do selling to um, selling energy access product to poor and remote people is, is hard and we can't do that on a commercial basis alone. Uh, governments, um, you will need to come in and donors will need to come in with, uh, with public funding to, um, to subsidize our industry, to help us access investment capital, to help us make the products more affordable to the, uh, uh, the end users. And that doesn't mean that we're uh, failing as an industry, that's meaning that we are admitting that we need to work together with public sector to achieve uh, uh, public goals. And we think it's entirely justified because all the other routes towards electrification are going to take more public funding. Our electricity connections in, in, in your household and in my household are almost 100% uh, subsidized, and then we pay for the electricity that, um, that comes into the, uh, uh, the socket, and that's uh, a price level that's cost uh, uh, recovery and making a margin for the utilities, but the initial infrastructure and the, uh, the connections have been vastly uh, subsidized. And if you look at all the options that we have to electrify households in, uh, in Africa and Asia, where people still need to be electrified, then the most cost-effective route is to do that through uh, off-grid uh, solutions.
0: In a modern society, access to energy becomes a public good, and Gokler is changing the messaging, calling for increased collaboration with the public sector to deliver on goals and commitments, as for example set out in SDG 7
1: Uh, when I joined this industry in 2014, the feeling was that this industry had uh, solutions towards energy access that the uh, um, the, the public-owned utility companies and uh, the the government-led infrastructure development programs couldn't offer, but that they would not recognize. So this is an industry that tried to sit under the radar, trying to pro- provide services to uh, to households but not getting too much on the radar of governments because that would only spell trouble, such as regulation and import duties and uh, quality standards and price regulation, et cetera, that everybody was scared and afraid of. Also, um, subsidy schemes uh, um, where the talk of the day as a, as a complaint, people talked about subsidy schemes and giveaway schemes as something that was disrupting uh, the market situation for our, uh, our members. Some five years later, uh, we saw that, uh, that differing, we saw that changing, and we felt that actually we needed uh, governments to understand our uh, market to prevent them coming in with, uh, with harmful uh, regulation and to make sure that they understood what our market is trying to achieve and what it can contribute and make sure that it fits into their electrification planning and that we had clarity on what they wanted to do with energy access in which parts of the country um, that they saw uh, off-grid solar as part of the, uh, uh, the solution. So we've been then starting to engage more with, uh, with governments and trying to tell them what we were trying to do, trying to educate them uh, to a certain degree, also bringing them together so that they could learn.
0: This is yet another illustration of the importance of collaborations and partnerships
1: in reaching the SDGs. Um, but certainly they can scale a lot faster than the traditional ways of, of providing electricity by rolling out grids or having mini-grids. In that sense, there is already a massive breakthrough that you now have plug-and-play installations that you can um, you get on on the day that you can that you sign up the the new customer, you can ship it out and you can install it and have it operational. That's a massive change compared to traditional uh, uh, electrification, and the importance of that speed is not sufficiently seen yet by um, by governments and uh, uh, and the, the public stakeholders that are dealing with energy access. One of the messages that we have as an industry is, no, you need to think differently. You need to think in patterns of uh, of, of business growth and uh, business ecosystems growth. We start small, uh, but then if it's successful and it catches on, we can, uh, we can grow. We can grow at 50% a year, we can grow at 100% a year. If you continue that and you get that almost exponential growth, then we can really scale fast over the next uh, uh, few years. But that means that you need to start now with that small business and with that small learning and uh, those small steps, and not just focus on the the big bang solution that you think is going to take three years, but in actuality is going to take you six years, and which you think is going to cost you 500 million, but in reality is going to cost you 1.2 billion. or
0: It is clear that the off-grid solar and efficient appliance industry can play a key role in achieving SDG 7 and clean, reliable, and sustainable energy for all by 2030, particularly when it comes to leaving no one behind. It is closely linked with other SDGs and can potentially improve health and education as well as create jobs and income opportunities. And the good news is the basis is there, so we just need to get going on the road to 2030.
1: We don't need more innovation to address the issue. We we have the technology at hand. We have the business models at hand. Uh, we have the public-private sector cooperation programs. We know the what it takes to really roll out these middle business models and scale up and reach everyone before twenty thirty. We need to get going, and we need to make sure that uh, we make progress on starting with small subsidy schemes and investment promotion schemes and uh, the, uh, the, yeah, the the talk of the town. Uh, in our industry, is result-based financing schemes as the the way of using public finance in the most in in an effective way to promote the market without being very disruptive for the uh, the market. So those result-based financing schemes they work uh, quite well. They've been piloted in uh, in a number of countries and situations and regions, and they work. So let's roll them out. Let's do more. The
0: Rising Tide podcast is co-produced by the TRI and Naranha Media. We want to thank Kun Peters for sharing his time and expertise. This interview was conducted in November of 2021. We also want to thank the Swedish government for making this podcast series possible. We greatly appreciate their long-standing support for sustainable development work, catalyzing actions towards the SDGs. My name is Tina Nybo Jensen. Thank you for listening.